Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He was a short, sort of scrawny guy with a healthy beer gut poking out. I guess he was likely nearing at least his mid-fifties, but he still carried himself with a certain amount of intimidation, or presumed intimidation anyway. In all honesty, I couldn't take him seriously at first, as he more reminded me of Barney Fife in a park ranger's uniform as opposed to the garb worn by meager police department of small town Mayberry. Evening, sir and ma'am, he said after I opened the door. Uh, hi. Can I help you? Name's Lester Lesnick, the ranger around these parts. Just thought I'd check in and see how y'all were doing. He said, tipping the front of his wide-brimmed hat before giving me a wide smile, revealing aged and yellow teeth. Yeah, I replied, smiling at my wife, Amy. We're good. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I awkwardly chuckled, feeling almost obliged to ask. How long y'all find folks sticking around for? Well, we arrived this morning, so uh, at least the rest of the week, I said with a shrug, nodding to Amy, almost as if to show the man that we were on the same page. Any reason y'all chose to come around these parts? I guess we saw the cabin online and thought it would be a good excuse to get away from the goddamn city for a bit. I chuckled again, feeling more awkward by the second. Not only was I curious as to why this strange little man felt the need to practically grill me on our reasons for taking a damn vacation in the mountains, but something about the way he stared into my eyes had me feeling a bit unnerved. Mm -hmm. I'd appreciate if you don't take the good lord's name in vain while you're talking to me, sir. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean don't appreciate the curse it neither. Something about his eyes almost felt as though they were cutting right through mine. His brow sank as he reprimanded me for my potty mouth, and for some reason, this whole situation had me so tensed up. I understood how the trees surrounding the small cabin felt for a moment. He doesn't mean any offense, Amy said, echoing my uncomfortable giggles. <laughs> you know how us city folk are. Yes, ma'am, I certainly do. He replied with a sigh while rubbing the stubbly brown and white speckled hair on his chin. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, officer. Is it okay to call you that? He still idly scratched the stubble while not releasing the tension of the muscles above his eyes. So, how long have you been apart? Y'all right with the Lord out there in the big old city? He said, completely cutting off my wife's words. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely, I said, exhaling a heavy breath while exhaustively shrugging, wanting nothing more than for this bizarre man to leave us alone. He cut his eyes to Amy as though awaiting her reply to the good lord debate. Oh, yeah, no doubt, she said. We practically live at the church. <laughs> she laughed again, far wider and more uncomfortable than before. 
Ranger Lesnick made his own less than enthusiastic sigh, licking his lips while pulling the hat from his head to run his hand across the smooth skin of his bare scalp. I didn't mean to make y'all uncomfortable or nothing, he said, placing his brown Stetson back on his head while finally loosening his tightened brow as a half-smile breached his lips. I've had some unsavory types out this way in recent weeks. Just wanted to check and make sure y'all were good folks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get you, man. Uh, sir, you're just looking out for this beautiful slice of Mother Nature. Much obliged for the understanding, he said, tipping the brim of his hat again. I'll get out your hair now. If y'all need anything, don't hesitate to come by the ranger station. With that, he turned around, paced back to a roofless jeep, painted to match the color scheme of his uniform, and gave a friendly wave before driving off, presumably back to the station. <sighs> well, that conversation was awkward as shit, Amy said, still staring at the cloud of dust left in the wake of the large tire speeding away. I sure would appreciate if y'all didn't use that sort of language, ma'am, I replied, tipping the brim of my baseball cap, feeling my face flush while attempting not to laugh. <laughs> you are such a dork, Amy said, not holding back her own giggles, smacking me across the chest. The cabin we were renting for a week was located right on the edge of a mountain, overlooking a gorgeous, crystal-clear lake some 50 feet below. Like I had told Deputy Do-Right, we found the place online a few weeks back and the price for our week-long sabbatical was far more to our liking than some of the more popular and well-traveled spots. We had initially planned to head to the beach for our one well-deserved annual vacation, but when Amy suggested we try something more woodsy this year, I couldn't deny it sounded quite lovely. I'd been having a few heart-related issues as of late, but nothing particularly major, or so my doctor assured me. Still, the idea of just taking it easy for a week sounded like the best medicine at the time. At first, we checked out Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as some of our friends had some great experiences out that way, but when we came across this place, not only was it much closer to our home, but the cost was almost half of what the others quoted. Amy had been bouncing between a good many travel-related websites in search of a nice spot while we lay in bed winding down from the workday. She just enthusiastically nudged me when she came across this one, smiling wide with a look of eureka on her face. Neither of us had even heard of the city of Grady, nor the glorious mountain range to its rear, but the images posted to their webpage did not exaggerate the beauty of it in the least. The town itself, only a 20-minute drive from our pleasant little temporary home, wasn't exactly overburdened with tourist attractions, but... It had some nice cafes and restaurants, a fairly classy movie theater, and a few affordable roadside attractions to kill some time. Of course, our primary interest was in simply escaping the rigors of our day-to-day -day working lives and enjoying the peace and seclusion of nature for a week. Unfortunately, a relaxing and carefree week was not in the cards for us, a fact that began to unfold before my eyes that very first night. Perhaps, if I'd had the ability to truly understand what was happening, we could have bailed out before, well before things got out of hand. Being used to living in a far more bustling city than the one some miles from the mountain we were perched upon, we had begun to rely on the soothing, ambient background noise of our fairly high-powered box fan over the years. Regardless of how quiet we imagined such a place as the one we planned to occupy for the week, 
we still made sure to bring it along for the ride. I, for one, was unsure if I could even think about sleeping in silence after so many years of resting to the sound of electrically charged air being circulated, and my wife was of a similar mindset. I think it was no more than curiosity that led us to leave it in the car for that first sleep, just to see how it felt. Yes, it would have been much wiser to at least bring the damn thing inside, just in case the absence of sound drove us to madness before we managed to doze off, but Amy and I both can be hard-headed as hell when we get an idea bobbing around in the collective basements of our minds. I would say that was our first mistake that week, but no. Our biggest misstep was trying to save a few bucks by going to a damn hole in the walls of the world nobody had ever heard of before. Night one. I don't think that's an owl. Amy had managed to pass out within those first few minutes of laying under the covers with only the chirping of crickets providing any sounds. Though we had accomplished little more than unpacking the car, grilling some delicious steaks, knocking back a few beers, and gazing at the beauty of the cloudless night sky that first night, we were both pretty beat from the drive. Why I was so restless while laying in the cozy bed, staring blankly at the ceiling fan quietly spinning within the darkness, I can only assume to be due to the absence of my background noise. I still tried to settle my mind down, ignoring its inherent need to plan everything from what groceries we may need to the odd little park ranger who had paid us to visit. I never understood why the brain gets so inspired to focus on every single pointless thing in the world when the body is attempting to shut down for the night, but... It was much worse with every light squeak of the bed being highlighted when I would adjust my posture. With Amy sleeping so soundly, I didn't want to risk her crawling off the plush mattress to seek my ambient noise provider. That was until the owl joined the cricket's song. Hoo, 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 it called out into the night, sounding as though it was perched on a branch right outside the window. I rolled over to one side, pulling one of the pillows over my head in an attempt to block it out. Hoo, 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 hoo. Again, in exactly the same pattern as before. Even with my head sandwiched between two pillows, it didn't even sound remotely muffled. After its third repetitive hoot, closely followed by the fourth, I couldn't take it anymore. I whipped the blanket from my body, pausing for a moment to ensure I hadn't awakened my wife before sneaking through the bedroom door and out into the hallway. As soon as I opened the exit to the outside world, I wished I had thought to throw on my jacket as the temperature had plummeted since my last smoke break before attempting to sleep. I'd planned far enough ahead to bring both my car keys and my cigarettes, so I lit one up and prepared to endure the frigid night air for a few moments. As I puffed away while fishing out the old box fan from the rear hatch, I couldn't help but notice how much things had quieted down since I walked out. I locked the car back up, sat the fan next to the door, and just gazed out into the trees to the other side of the road while enjoying another deep drag of my smoke. I didn't even hear the crickets anymore, let alone the owl from hell who hooted loudly enough to drown out a metal concert. The only things I could hear were the burning of the paper-wrapped nicotine along with my own breathing. It was quite eerie, to be completely honest, but after I dropped my cigarette butt to the ground, smearing it out, the orange glow of the tip with my shoe, I grabbed my old box fan and headed back into the warmth of the cabin. 
When I closed the door behind me, the crickets resumed their song, causing me to stop in place for a moment. For a second, I thought I was only hearing things, but after that damned owl rejoined the near-hypnotic chirping, I let out a heavy and annoyed sigh. I didn't have the most experience with life out in the wilderness, so my exhausted mind took little effort in deciding that the bugs and birds had perhaps been stunned by my sudden appearance out in their realm, silencing themselves until all was clear once more. I crept back into the bedroom, plugged the fan into the outlet closest to the door, and exhaled gratefully when its ambient hum drowned out the noise of those beyond the walls of the small, pleasant cabin. Before I laid back down, I left the bedroom one last time to fetch a glass of water, as that late night smoke had left my mouth stuffed with invisible cotton. Though I could still hear the wonderful whispered vibration of the fan from where I stood in the kitchen, the hooting that practically yelled outright outside the window to my left practically caused me to leap from the confines of my flesh. Jesus Christ! I screamed out, after turning my head to the large bay window next to the dining area. Water and glass spilled and shattered around my feet as the life left my fingers which had been clutching onto my refreshing beverage. I felt my back stiffen, my stomach lurch, my skin trembling as I looked into the black eyes of the hooting thing, which was most certainly not an owl. I just stood there, staring through the window, propped on its four legs. Its skin was pure white, with neither feathers nor hair lining its small body. It was about the size and shape of a fully grown English bulldog, but it was the head that I couldn't look away from. Those glossy, dark eyes peered from an almost human face, its lips pinched as though it were whistling while it repeated the monotonous, Hoo! 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 The flesh of its brow was not creased or sunken, but light and almost curious in its expression. Had it any hair, I would imagine the eyebrows to be angled upward in the center while the hooting passed through its almost kissy-faced mouth. It just tilted its head from one side to the other, still repeating its only words over and over again. I couldn't force myself to look away until... You okay, babe? My wife's half-asleep and groggy voice called from behind me, finally freeing my eyes from the hypnotic stare of whatever that thing was. I whipped my head around to see her rubbing her eyes and yawning widely, before turning back to the window to see nothing but the small patio and fire pit. Did you see it? I asked, still practically panting, feeling my lips moistening with almost frenzied drool. See what? She half asked, half yawned. There was a... I, I don't know, it was... A, a thing, an owl making noises, it was... Babe, you're not making any sense. Do you have a nightmare or something? She was still only partially awake, so I know my frantic rambling wasn't remotely registering with her, but I was still shaken. Did you go outside? You smell smoky. Couldn't sleep? I, uh... I had to get the fan, I said, beginning to wonder if I had actually been imagining the whole thing after all. Damn hooting kept me awake. It wasn't an owl, though. I mean, I guess. It was my own scream that cut my already confused words off as I watched Amy's face transform before my eyes. 
I stepped back, feeling my back press against the window I had been staring through only minutes before, while I barely registered the shards of glass stabbing into the soles of my feet. As I stared into her eyes, they began to darken while all the color drained from her face. The hair fell from her scalp in clumps, pouring across her shoulders and into a puddle that now blended with the scarlet streams leaking from my feet. As her expressions became blank, she tilted her head from one side to the other before her lips puckered. Amy! What am I... Oh my god, how? My mind couldn't conjure anything rational to say, while my head shook in horrified denial of what I was witnessing. My heart threatened to crack my sternum open while a sharp pain shot across my left arm. She walked closer toward me, still making that empty hooting sound, bobbing her own head from left to right as she closed the gap between us. I fumbled my hand around behind and beside me, frantically searching for the lock as my wife's now pale fingers reached up toward my face. I closed my eyes as I began to tremble so violently I thought I may burst when... Hey, what's wrong, babe? I hesitantly blinked my eyes back open when the warmth of Amy's skin on my cheek combined with the soft and concerned tones of her voice. I must have been one hell of a nightmare. I haven't seen you like this since... I wrapped my fingers around her hand before pulling her closer. My still shivering arms held her so tightly she almost wheezed from my overly enthusiastic embrace. Okay, okay, she said with a laugh, wriggling free from my grasp. Oh my god, your feet! I'd almost forgotten about my clumsy trudging across the shards of broken glass, but thankfully only one or two pieces had broken the hardened skin of my soles. Amy grabbed some tweezers from her purse and pulled out the small slivers and wrapped up my wounds. She gave me a smile and a kiss on the cheek while I felt my face flush with embarrassment. I, I, I'm sorry, hon. I just... I guess I just... Just come back to bed. You know how you get when you're sleepy. She was right, of course. When I was younger, I used to have crazy hallucinations when my mind was half asleep. Maybe I had drifted and didn't realize it. That certainly made more sense than my wife transforming into a hairless, black-eyed, bald thing, making hooting noises at me. My body was still trembling, but when Amy took my hand to lead me back to the bedroom, I gave one final glance at the nothingness beyond the window, allowing myself to accept I really needed to get some sleep. Even with the bizarre imagery still bobbing around behind my eyelids, it felt heavenly to lay back down upon the plush, yet ever so slightly squeaky mattress. With the wonderful ambient humming accompanying the thick and warm blanket, both providing me with a childlike protective shell from all the crazy things out in the world, I found myself drifting off only moments after laying back down. Of course, even that brief moment of peace wouldn't last for long. Those strange events of that first night were only a taste of what that trip had in store for me. A preview, perhaps. Just a teaser as to what was to come. Day 2. What a lovely day for a picnic. The heavy knocking on the front door pulled me away from my sleep early the following morning. Though I wouldn't say it completely upset me to be prematurely yanked away from my dreams featuring hordes of those pale-skinned, human-faced dawn creatures, I still wasn't remotely ready to fully wake up. 
Amy stirred beside me, mumbling under her breath that she would get the door, but I was already freeing myself from the cozy bed before giving her the chance. I grabbed my robe from the splayed open suitcase, slipping it on before lazily shuffling my feet through the hallway. The pounding on the front door had only let up for momentary intervals, causing the hammering sound to combine with my mentally checked out state to cause anger to flush beneath the skin of my face. This better be important. Oh, morning, Officer uh, Ranger Les. You heard of a little thing called forest fires? He belted, cutting off my words while holding the butt of my late-night cigarette outstretched between his bony fingers. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm so sorry. I, I couldn't sleep, and I know y'all city folk ain't got no respect for nothing, but Jane about... Whoa, now. I admit I should have taken better care last night, but there's no need for all that. He was still staring knives at me, and for the briefest moment, his eyes almost looked as dark as those of my twilight hallucination. I shook my head to sort of force my mind back to the land of the living, finally seeing no more than the same small-statured older man in the brown Stetson and tan shirt staring back at me through perfectly normal yet angered and worn-out eyes. That's one, he said, holding the cigarette button in one hand and pointing his finger outstretched in the other. One? He just stared at me, still holding the snuffed-out smoke in my face. This is Shit, I muttered under my breath, clenching my jaw. What'd you say? He sneered, squinting his beady little eyes. Huh? What? I I didn't say anything. Not only had I been rudely awakened, but my foot was still throbbing, and this old little man was seriously pushing my buttons. Part of me wanted to cuss the old man out, whip the crumpled cigarette from his hand, and tell him to go to hell. But I knew I had to smooth things over with him. Yes, he was an infuriating little troll who took his job way too seriously, but I couldn't fault him for that. We just continued to glare at one another for what felt like minutes. Something about the way his eyes gazed into mine was almost intimidating. Perhaps the way his brow made contact with the wrinkles above his nose, almost causing him to appear barely human. I felt my pulse quicken, as it had the previous night, but... I decided to at least attempt to make things right with him. Look, I'm truly sorry, sir, I said, attempting to steer the conversation back to a somewhat civil place. I promise it won't happen again. I was tired last night, and I just wasn't thinking. He sort of pinched his lips together before handing the cigarette butt to me. His previously frustrated expression softened back up and a smile reached across his lips, though it was hardly a sincere one. I didn't mean to get so angry, son. I apologize for that. Got a lot of love for these woods. Spent most of my adult life watching over them. I suppose I took it a bit too personally when folks don't show enough respect to the beautiful slice of the world. No, you were absolutely justified, Ranger Lesnick. It was my mistake, and you were right to call me out on it. Sure, I was shamelessly kissing his ass, but it felt like the best way to go at the time. Yes, he was about as intimidating as a freshly stuffed teddy bear now that I once more looked upon a small, scrawny old man with a portly round gut bulging through his tight shirt, but I had a feeling he could make our stay, well, difficult if he wanted to. Even if the first night we spent in this gorgeous scenery could have gone a lot better, I wasn't ready to head back home just yet.
that and we can only afford the one trip a year and I wasn't about to piss that money away over a spat with the local law. Thanks for understanding, son. It means a lot to me. You owning up to your wrongdoing. Just make sure it don't happen again, okay? Of course. Thank you, too. Ma'am, he said to Amy as she strolled up beside me, tipping his hat again before once more returning to his jeep. What the hell's all that about? She asked, rubbing her hand across my back. I snuffed out my butt in the driveway last night. He was uh, less than thrilled. So what? He, like, drove by, saw the smushed cigarette on the ground, and pounded on the door. What exactly inspired him to go on the hunt for something like that? Don't know. Don't care. Just glad that it's over. It was awkward as hell. We both still stood there in the open doorway, staring out as though the old man was still standing there, waving his condescending finger. After a minute or two, I remembered I'd left shattered glass across the kitchen floor and needed to get that cleaned up before really starting the day. That was, of course, after enjoying the sacred tradition of that first cigarette of the day, one that would be disposed of in a much more responsible manner, lest I endure the wrath of Officer Bust My Balls. With the far more premature beginning of the day than we'd planned for, we weren't entirely sure what to do with ourselves. We talked about heading out to the little town, grabbing some breakfast, and maybe taking in a few attractions or something, but neither of us were feeling especially boiled over with energy. Amy had a far more fulfilling rest than I, but it too was cut short by our visitor pounding on the door. After a little while and some back-and-forth discussion, we hopped in the car to make our way into the small town some miles away. Nothing about our pleasant morning and early afternoon was particularly noteworthy, not for a story claimed to be one some degree of horror, anyway. Yes, the diner we stopped by provided me with possibly the best bacon cheeseburger that has ever graced my stomach, and yes, I'm fully aware that it's not your average breakfast, but... I thought I'd share what I consider to be the most fulfilling part of our trip. I can't deny the cabin was nice, nor that the scenery was absolutely gorgeous, but after our pleasant afternoon in the town of Grady, when we returned to our temporary living quarters, that's about when things took another turn for the bazaar. It wasn't immediate, mind you, not quite as soon as we returned, but when we decided to go for a hike, having been re-energized by both the outing and the delicious meal. Our cozy little cabin was located right across the road from the opening to what looked to be a pretty nice trail. Being far more accustomed to walking the busy streets of the big city, we didn't have much experience in such things. But the idea of not having to weave between the absent-minded pedestrians mentally checked out for a while while only focusing on where they had to be made me actually look forward to only having to dodge the occasional tree from time to time. The fact that the bumpy path was rather wide caused even that not to be a factor. We hadn't exactly given ourselves a time limit or any specific direction or destination as we passed between that first row of trees, but neither Amy nor I were the type to make itineraries for what should be a relaxing vacation. We strolled up and down the small hills, over the occasional small stream, and even left the path after a while to really immerse ourselves in good old mother nature. We still kept close to the trail, of course. We weren't trying to get ourselves lost or anything, only to truly take in the wonderful sights. We stopped at a small brook only a few yards from the trail where we decided to have ourselves a picnic, another thing I can't say I'd ever done before. 
I had most of our supplies in my pack, and we didn't exactly bring a whole meal along, mostly just some snacks, a couple of beers, and an old beach towel we used to set everything up on. Naturally, as soon as I cleaned off one of the slightly squashed special recipe brownies we brought from home, a stranger-than-expected breeze took hold of the Ziploc bag, sending it directly into the stream. Truth be told, we were already feeling the effects of the enhanced brownies, so my dumbass attempted to chase down the damn bag, inadvertently kicking more of our snacks into the water. I swore out loud as potato chips poured into the stream, even though Amy and I were both cracking up. I just stomped across the bank of the slim stretch of running water, almost tripping over a series of roots broken through the ground, coiled up and around the dirt and grass. You're gonna fall and break your neck, you damn idiot! My wife called out, still laughing, with tears streaming from her eyes. Nope, I called back, also chuckling pretty hard. Don't need Lesnick calling in the feds on us for littering. My eyes were exclusively staring at the wrinkled plastic bag as it gently danced across the surface of the water while neglecting everything else I punted into the stream with my clumsy feet. Being so focused on that one thing, I didn't even notice what I was running towards. When I inadvertently wrapped my body around the thick tree trunk, I was both stunned and completely caught off guard. Though I hadn't exactly been plotting the course ahead, I could have sworn the bank of the stream was clear, but Amy's laughter from behind me convinced me that it was nothing but my own idiocy and absent mind that led my face into the bark. I began to turn around to join my wife in her hysterical laughter at my collision with the tree when I was distracted by her chuckles morphing into something far more horrified. I could barely tell where the laughter ended and the ear-piercing shrieking began as they blended together within seconds at most. Of course, my own scream when the tree began to move almost rivaled hers as my chest began to pound again, accompanied by that sharp pain across the length of my left arm. The thick trunk of the ancient tree lifted right before my eyes, toppling me to the rough ground. I cut my gaze upward to meet a sight that almost caused me to lose control of my bowels. One tree joined with another, some thirty or forty feet above, a connection I can only describe as essentially the crotch or taint of an enormous wooden behemoth of a creature. Long, equally tree-like arms dangled by its waistline, but whatever it was above, that was far too high for me to make out, given the angle I was looking at. As I skidded across the grass and dirt on my ass, attempting to clear myself from the path of whatever this thing was, I felt the ground shudder as the roots pulled free, snapping and raining muddy soil across me. What happened next felt as though it played out in slow motion, but perhaps that was only due to the giant wooden beast throwing off my perception of things. When Amy shrieked out in even more horror, I spun around to see the now-raised, root-lined foot beginning its descent to where she stood, appearing frozen in place. I scrambled to get to my feet while yelling for her to jump to the side, but she was so paralyzed by the shock of what we were witnessing, she couldn't even register anything else at the time. I scuffed my feet across the dead leaves and grass, scrambling to stabilize myself enough to get to her, but there was absolutely no chance of me reaching her in time. I was sprinting in her direction, begging her to move when the large stump of a foot landed with a crash before my eyes. Within those handful of seconds, I heard the snapping of Amy's bones, along with the twisting and tearing of her flesh and tissue. 
Blood burst from beneath the tree trunk as it connected with the ground once more as though it had stepped on an enormous ketchup packet. It gushed right at me, covering me from head to toe with my beloved wife's bodily fluids. When the ground quaked once more from the beast's second leg slamming down some yards to my left, I watched in horror as the one that pummeled my wife lifted up once more, peeling away from what was left of her sandwiched between the foot and the ground below. It was almost as much from the sounds of the meat tearing away in both directions as the sight of the unrecognizable gore that was once the woman I loved that caused me to lose consciousness. For a moment, I thought I may have been experiencing a heart attack as my chest now mimicked the pain I still felt shooting across my arm. Over the course of that short period of time, as my head gave into the dizziness sending me back to the ground, I begged for the darkness to take me. I prayed for the nightmare to end. I allowed myself to be consumed by the black before my fragmenting heart could rupture. What brought me back from that unconscious state almost convinced me I had indeed drifted from the confines of this world and into the realm my beloved wife now dwelled in. Babe? You okay? Amy said, lightly slapping her hand across my face. Huh? My eyes blinked back to awareness, looking up at the beautiful, kind face of my wife. I started to push myself up from the ground to wrap my arm around the woman whose death I had only just witnessed when an almost blinding pain caused my arm to give out, planting my back to the ground once more. Take it easy, babe. You took quite the hit. She was pouring some water across the ball of paper towels before dabbing into my forehead, causing me to buckle again from a sharp pain. What happened? I asked, attempting to force the visual imagery of Amy being squashed like a bug to the back of my mind. You ran right into a tree, you big dummy. She chuckled ever so slightly while she spoke, nodding her head to a thick trunk I lay next to, still patting the moistened towel to my forehead. I was still feeling very foggy after I finally succeeded in climbing back up to my feet and the pulsing in my head continued to make me feel quite loopy even with being somewhat mentally vacant while we gathered up our belongings to make our way back to the cabin. I was of sound mind enough to make sure we grabbed every little piece of trash we may have inadvertently scattered across the forest floor. Unfortunately, this did not include the Ziploc bag that led me to faceplant into a tree in the first place, nor the chips that had drifted along with it. The sun was descending behind the trees when we finally arrived back at our home for the week, and I wanted nothing more than to get into the car and haul ass away from this damned place, but Amy was still oblivious to the bizarre things I'd been experiencing. I allowed myself to consider that this truly had all just been in my head, or that our special brownies had been laced with another secret ingredient, but when I entered the bedroom to fully clean and patch up my head wound, I found it a bit more difficult to believe that I had only dreamt these strange and disturbing events. That's two, was written across the Ziploc bag which had been taped to the mirror in red ink. I hoped it was ink anyway. As soon as I opened the door and flipped up the light switch, it was the first thing I saw, almost causing my legs to lose their stability once again. I whipped it from the glass, momentarily considering showing it to my wife, but this realization would have caused me to explain the unnerving things I'd been experiencing to her. 
events I still could not rationalize. Though it stunned me to look upon the message left likely for my eyes only, I simply balled up the bag, shoving it into my pocket for the time being. Maybe I wasn't prepared to admit the reality of my circumstances, or perhaps hiding away this potential admission of Ranger Lesnick's harassment was something I needed to do to be able to hold on to my weakening marbles. Either way, it was time for me to at least try to convince my wife that it may be in our best interest to get the hell off this mountain one way or another. Day 3 the scenic route. Giving out queasy my throbbing head wound had left me, I chose not to discuss bailing on our vacation just yet. Yes, I wanted nothing more than to get away from this damn place, as well as the batshit crazy ranger who watched over it, but I thought it best to sleep on it before making any potentially hasty decisions. Amy was still blissfully unaware of anything aside from my clumsiness guiding my skull into an incoming tree trunk. And by the time I left the bathroom, I had just about persuaded myself I was overacting to a series of weird dreams, as well as the strange little park ranger named Lester Lesnick. A few beers after cleaning up my fresh head wound, and I was simply thrilled to be sharing my wife's company in this gorgeous place. Before I allowed sleep to take hold of me, Amy and I decided it would be in our best interest to pretend we were making up after a horrendous fight, an act that left me even more exhausted by the time we collapsed next to each other. If nothing else, it most certainly left me with far better imagery to accompany me to the land of dreams than those unusual events I imagined as I bled upon the forest floor. Things were looking up even more when I awoke the following late morning, having not been prematurely pulled from my slumber by a pissed-off old man at the door. Perhaps it was an incredible scent of bacon Amy was cooking that finally convinced my eyes to spring open, but I wasn't remotely complaining about that. Hey, sleepyhead, she said with a smile when I strolled into the kitchen, guided by the intoxicating aroma. You sleep good? I asked, kissing her on the forehead. She just nodded before cutting her eyes to my wound, still hidden behind a band-aid or three. How's that feeling? She asked, creasing her nose. Not bad, really. It was true. It felt as though the swelling had decreased significantly, and I could no longer feel my pulse throbbing under the surface. While my wife was finishing up preparing the glorious meal, I strolled to the bathroom to take a look at how I was healing up. When I peeled away the gauze, it looked as though I had nothing more than a shallow scratch, barely even having broken the skin. There wasn't even a bruise. The cuts on the soles of my feet had almost healed up, too. Oh, wow, Amy said when I arrived back into the dining area. Gotta love Sydney Sporin, she laughed, giving a half shrug. The amazing breakfast, combined with my self-inflicted wound having healed so well, made me feel as though I truly had been overreacting to everything I'd experienced the last couple of days. I'd always been an overly imaginative kid when I was young. It would seem a lot of that carried over to adulthood. As I couldn't deny, I had to have dreamed all the strange events. Not only that, but I found no trace of the wrinkled Ziploc bag I chased nestled in the pocket of the pants I wore the previous day. After finishing up the incredible morning meal, my wife decided to take a quick shower before we would decide what to do with our day. Naturally, I now know there are plenty of folks who have absolutely no problem dropping the kids off at the pool in the same room in which their significant other is showering, 
but I ain't one of those people. Call me a prude or whatever, but it's just awkward for me. I considered fighting against my primal urges until she finished up, but it was feeling as though I only had moments at most. I snatched up a spare roll of toilet paper from our bag of supplies we brought along for the ride, peeked my head out the back door, and stepped out into the warm air of the outside world. I practically felt like a burglar breaking into a private home rather than some guy in search of the right tree or bush to get my business done behind as I skulked across the backyard toward the woods. I still darted my eyes from side to side while I was taking care of things, feeling as though every tree creaking in the gentle breeze was good old Lesnick staring me down from afar. I was back at the cabin by the time my lovely wife was finished with her morning shower, and we began to discuss what our plans would be for the day. Ultimately, we ended up settling in just going for a drive for a little while, maybe taking some of the beautiful scenery. It wasn't the most thrilling of ideas, but I was still craving some well-deserved relaxation, and Amy had already volunteered to take the wheel. When we casually strolled toward the car, just in time to see good old Ranger Lesnick pulling into the driveway, I'd have to say I was less than thrilled. The annoying voice in the back of my head was attempting to convince me that he had somehow found about the dastardly deed I committed behind the trees, but I tried my best to ignore it. As he pushed open the door of his jeep, stepping out to practically jump down to the graveled ground, I silently hoped he would slip on a pebble or four, sending him to plant his face on the concrete. I actually chuckled as the visual imagery of the old fart breaking his nose on the rough surface panned across my mind for a moment, to which Amy gave me a confused look. I started to tell her what was on my mind, but chose to just give a shrug, shaking my head to insinuate it was nothing worth elaborating on. Still, I felt my back tense up as the ranger stepped toward us. Afternoon, he said with a smile, tipping the brim of his hat again. How are you, Ranger Lesnick? Amy asked with an equally as genuine smile as the old fella. They went back and forth for a little while, making completely pointless small talk, but neither came off like they didn't want to be having the conversation. While just about every word I'd spoken to the ranger felt as though it took considerable effort and planning, my wife just carried on like she was talking to an old friend. Not only was I impressed by her talent for small talk, but I couldn't help but smile at her ability to be so damn friendly to just about anyone. Of course, when Lesnick asked if we would be interested in joining him for a little while, I did my damnedest to physically convince my wife to say no. Naturally, even though I could see on her face she wasn't particularly into it, she agreed to tag along for a bit, waving her hand for me to join in on whatever the old man had planned. As Lesnick gave a half-smile, I couldn't help but wonder if I may have somehow crossed into the territory of Strike 3, though I was certain I couldn't have. Um, I'm sorry, but where exactly are you taking us? Amy looked at me with wide eyes, visibly clenching her jaw as though she were embarrassed by my question. Sure. I had mostly convinced myself not to believe good old Ranger Lesnick had any ill intent, but his sudden desire to take us for a ride made me nervous, to say the least. Just want to give y'all good folks the tour. Let's see some of the sights don't everybody get to see, especially outsiders. He still smiled as he spoke, but I couldn't help but feel there was something malicious behind those stained teeth glinting in the sunlight. Amy continued to give me that almost parental stare-down, so 
I thought it best to just give in and accompany the odd little man. If nothing else, maybe spending some time with the ranger would inspire him to wash away the two strikes I'd garnered so far. We all climbed into the lifted jeep, with Amy riding shotgun, leaving me in the back seat alone. Honestly, I was okay with that, as she had formed a much more friendly repertoire with old Lesnick, even if I felt like I was little more than a kid being taken for a drive by my folks. Regardless of my personal feelings about the old man, my wife looked to be having a wonderful time as Lester pointed this way and that, directing her attention to new and gorgeous scenery every few minutes or so. To my surprise, I actually found myself enjoying the ride, while looking upon glorious waterfalls, rapids cascading across rocks, I mean, a beautiful lake, and even the incredibly scenic view when he pulled up to the ledge of a cliff, allowing us to fully take in the vast open landscape. It was actually quite breathtaking, allowing me to finally see the man in a different light, one that left me no longer dreading his unexpected arrivals. By the time he carried us back on the road in the direction of the cabin, I was feeling more at ease than I had up until this point. I stretched my arms across the back of the rear seats while gazing up into the vibrant blue sky. I closed my eyes, allowing the sensation of the warm wind blowing across my face, which inevitably left me unable to see whatever it was that caused the jeep to lose control, tumble, and flip before my eyes even had a chance to reopen. When they finally did... I only had seconds to attempt to take in our new location before I lost consciousness, hanging upside down with the seatbelt still around my lap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Night three. Where did he take us? Somehow, over the course of my being passed out, I ended up freed from the belt holding me in place, leaving me lying on the ground next to the overturned jeep. I was confused when I initially came to, but quickly remembered what had occurred, though I didn't exactly have a clear visual of what caused us to flip. Perhaps, had I not allowed myself to feel content for that briefest moment in time, I may have even been able to see what was coming enough to call out, but there was no sense dwelling on what could have been. I lifted myself from the concrete, groaning as my bones popped and muscles shifted back to where they should be. I could feel the dry blood pasted to my forehead, but I wasn't in any major degree or pain other than the aches from having apparently taken a nap on the solid ground. I still felt a little dazed from the experience, but it didn't take long after my reawakening to feel panic take root in my chest again, as I saw no sign of my wife, nor the mad old bastard behind the wheel. As I erratically searched the overturned jeep, along with the road and trees surrounding the area, I could neither find any trace of my wife, nor whatever could have caused our chauffeur to lose control. Granted, it was incredibly dark outside, with only the half-moon providing the only source of light, but the pool of blood underneath where the passenger seat hovered over the ground instantly caught my eye. 
Once again, my heart felt as though it might burst, but I had to convince myself to settle down if I hoped to find her. I fished my phone from my pocket to see the screen shattered, and not the lightest glow from the now-deceased backlight, inspiring me to thrust the damn thing against the back of the jeep. I screamed out, cursing and punching the rear hatch until my knuckles began to swell and split. Of course, being the mature adult I am, the pain combined with my rage inspired me to pitch a fit like a pissed-off toddler, still pounding the jeep with my palm while kicking up at the thing as it gently rocked from my blows. When one final thrust of my boot caused the door to unlatch, I felt my heart skip again and when a cooler and toolbox tumbled out. One from behind the back seat and the other from the now open hatch. I leapt back as if the inanimate objects sought to attack me before cutting my eyes down to meet some of the items which had scattered from the red metal box. Screwdrivers, ratchets, sockets, and a roll of duct tape were among the articles splayed across the concrete, but it was the flashlight that caused me to almost jump for joy. I reached down to grab it with my trembling and swollen right hand, muttering under my breath that I need to use my off hand for future vehicular beatings as I did not have full use of my predominant digits at the time. Fortunately, I still had enough control to pick up the long and heavy torch before flipping the switch to see it glow instantly, carving through the dark into night. I even snatched up a lengthy flathead screwdriver to serve as my potential self-defense weapon for the road ahead. Now that I had a source of lights, I was able to make out where the droplets of blood led to the forest to the right of the jeep. If nothing else, this gave me both a path to follow, as well as some semblance of hope that Amy was still alive. Of course, it could very well be that Ranger Lesnick just carried her across the tree line with the intention of sacrificing her in a moonlit clearing for all I knew, but I had to keep those overly imaginative and paranoid ideas out of my head. I had to stay calm. I had to stay focused. I had to find my wife. Before I started my search, I wrapped some duct tape around the flashlight in my swollen hand. My grip with the puffy and bleeding fingers was already waning, so I couldn't risk dropping my guiding light. My trembling legs followed the glow that now illuminated the path ahead, and I gripped the screwdriver tightly in my left hand, praying to God that I wouldn't have to use it. Well, for anything other than tightening a damn bolt that should be any sort of factor throughout my quest. Thin trails of blood lined the occasional blade of grass or low-hanging tree limb, allowing me to believe I must be traveling in the right direction, while making me more nervous about how much had leaked from my wife. More horrifying scenarios drifted across the front of my brain as I soldiered on, but I wouldn't allow any of them to break my spirits. Yes, I was terrified of what could have happened to Amy, as well as what I could potentially be heading towards but I had to get her back and get us both away from this damned mountain. When I heard an all-too-familiar hooting coming from seemingly all around me, I stopped in place, not of my own volition, but by the fear that suddenly wrapped around my legs. When the owl-like sounds combined with noises of small feet rustling through the grass and leaves... I took control of my appendages once more, convincing them to run. I barely had time to react to the unfamiliar trees I was attempting to weave between, and I found my shoulders bouncing off a few thick trunks, but I wouldn't let up. 
what sounded like hundreds of scampering pale-skinned legs shuffling from behind me. I screamed out again, hopeful to drown out the chorus of their freakish voices. Hoo, 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 hoo. It was as if they all spoke at the exact same time, aligning their hoots perfectly to sound like it was only one of them echoing across an enormous empty room. Were it not for sounding like a veritable horde of those damn things were chasing me, I may have been able to convince myself that it was just that same one that glared at me through the window, an event I no longer believed to have taken place only in my mind. Oh yes, I had little doubt that the insane things I had experienced over the course of the previous days had indeed occurred. How my wife had survived being crushed by a tree, I had no idea, but I deal with those implications another time. It was while my thoughts revisited that ill-fated picnic that I became aware of the new sounds that had joined the chorus of albino dog people, something I can barely believe I'm writing. The new noises were those of enormous wooden feet crashing upon the forest floor. As the vibration of the ground beneath my feet became more and more aggravated, I knew those things were getting closer too. By this point, my legs were burning, my side was splitting, and my heart was thundering. The pain shot across the length of my left arm as well as through my chest, but I had to escape whatever these creatures had in store for me. As the pounding footfalls of the scampering paws drew closer by the second, the ground shuddered so violently I had to fight to stay on my feet. I could practically feel the breath of the false owls on the back of my legs, as well as some sort of howl emanating from what I visualized as some wide and gaping mouth belonging to the tree beast. My energy was waning as much as my sanity, and I knew I could not keep this up much longer, but I still fought to force myself onwards, no longer paying attention to what lay ahead of me. Just out of the corner of my eye, I saw what I assumed to be a long-fingered tree trunk reaching out toward me. I shrieked at the top of my lungs when I turned my head to see that very thing. As I felt thin claws tearing across the back of my legs, the rooted hand pushed through some lesser trees only feet from where I still plundered on. I closed my eyes, prepared for my inevitable gruesome end when the ground gave out beneath my feet. The hooting and howling faded away behind me while I slid down some sort of embankment, momentarily thrilled that I may indeed survive this before the fear of my body careening into a dark abyss hit me with full force. When my swift tumbling finally reached its end, my eyes could barely comprehend what I looked upon. It wasn't some flat wooded spot at the bottom of the hill, nor was it even a dark cavern I'd rolled into. But Lee, before me, was the living room of the apartment I shared in the city with my wife. After the moments it took for me to gather my bearings, while attempting to ease my dizzy head from the descent, I saw someone else that damn near caused my already fragmenting mind to shatter. Amy lay sprawled out on the hardwood floor with blood oozing from the back of her head, her eyes wide and vacant. My lips whispered as I dragged myself across the floor. My whole body quaked as I tore the tape from around my swollen hand, tossing the flashlight to the floor before rubbing my fingers across the frigid flesh of her cheek. No, 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 no. 
I kept saying over and over as I wrapped my arms around her lifeless shell, pulling her close while the tears began to spill from my eyes. I was sobbing while screaming out with every fiber of my being. I could neither accept the reality of my wife being dead in my arms, nor how I got here from the mountains so many miles away. I was almost blinded to any manner of reason while I felt my own heart shatter beneath my sternum. My wails would not yield even when I heard the footsteps approaching from somewhere outside my chaos-fueled thoughts. Don't remember this, do you? A voice spoke from behind me, a voice I'd grown too familiar with these past few days. I suppose I should say you didn't choose to remember this. I still shook my head from side to side, wailing my denial against the walls of the home I left behind some days before. What really sent you up to the mountains? What you really hope to escape from? No, no, no. It's not true. You disrespected my home. You disrespected your own home. What do you think you really deserve? I didn't. It's, It's not true. I wouldn't. What would you do to me if I was the one that killed her? She's not. She can't look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. Something about his surprisingly powerful and intimidating voice snapped me out of the bewildered trance I was in. No. What'd you say, boy? I looked down at the body of my wife once more, finally seeing the truth behind this illusion. You almost had me there. I ran my fingers across her cold face again, feeling not soft skin beneath my touch, but the smooth wood of the dummy that played the part for a time. I lifted myself back from the floor, allowing the enlarged doll to roll from my lap back onto the grass and dirt. While my eyes cleared, momentarily still hypnotized by the facsimile of my home, which was now nothing more than a simple clearing in the otherwise dense forest, I felt a conviction growing from within me. No more of your tricks, I said, bawling my hands into fists. Don't you go getting any ideas, son. I'm not playing your games anymore. I turned to face the small man, who now wore an almost maddening grin. Come on now. I was having so much fun. Where is she? Don't quit on me now. (laughs) Y'all city folk are so damn easy. Where the fuck is my wife? Now, what did I tell you about using that kind of language? His smile widened, revealing rows of jagged and misshapen teeth behind his lips. The wrinkled skin of his face became smoother, while forming creases beside his now-pointed ears, next to where his mouth now reached. His eyes glowed a vibrant emerald green as they gazed deeply into my own, but I would show no fear. Not anymore. Perhaps his attempts to convince me I was fleeing the murder of my wife was when he truly revealed his hand, but I would no longer believe his false realities, nor the lies he forced into my mind. I would never hurt Amy, not even if it were to save my own worthless life. He was hiding her from me, perhaps in plain sight. No more, I said through gritted teeth. Lesnick's brow released as he rolled his eyes before training his gaze on me again. 
Fair enough, he said. No tricks. No lies. His whole body grew larger before me. Muscled arms tore through the fabric of his shirt while his chiseled chest and rounded gut burst through the buttons. A thick and bushy beard sprouted from his chin while his now lengthy hair hung between the twin elk horns which forced through his scalp with moss and leaves weaved in between its sharpened prongs. I'm Leshy, and you have come uninvited into my forest. You've got to be shitting me. I said, craning my neck upward to take in the full scale of what was once a meek and fragile frame. I watched on with my mouth agape as his flesh hardened to mimic the trees which surrounded us. His fingers and toes lengthened into tentacle-like roots while more subtle vegetation sprouted from the creases and knots in between the lining of his bark. Do you truly wish to pursue this course of action? And now hauntingly deep and bellowing voice erupted from his mouth. Just give her back to me. What are you prepared to do to retrieve her? Whatever it takes. Laughter erupted from his mouth, reverberating off and between the trees, making his near maniacal howl sound as though it echoed all around me. As his head reared back and his chest heaved from his hearty and seemingly mocking chuckles, I cut my eyes across the forest floor. When the glimmer of the tip of the long screwdriver caught my eye, highlighted by the beam of the flashlight I tossed to the ground, I knew I only had seconds to make my move. Leshy was still heaving with laughter as I gripped the hilt of my weapon tightly with my swollen hand, but I couldn't risk the clumsy aim of my left. Not on this. I felt the pain shooting from my split knuckles up the length of my arm while my chest still throbbed. I planted the heel of my boot, preparing to push myself forward with every ounce of strength I had left. I knew I was unlikely to survive this, but I could only hope I would do enough damage for him to release my wife. No time for second thoughts. No time for second thoughts. No chance to back out now. Strike hard. Strike fast. Fuck this son of a bitch up. I launched myself forward, rearing my arm back while blood still gushed from the torn flesh of my knuckles. The world moved so slowly around me I felt as though I was a speeding train crashing through the trees. As soon as my lengthy strides guided me close enough, I thrust my weapon of choice forward, tearing through the hardened crust of my target's bark-lined flesh and into the meaty tissue beneath. When the echoing laughter morphed into a horrendous howl, I pulled my blade back out before forcing it forwards again. The giant flailed its limbs, but I wouldn't let up on my assault, forcing the flattened metal tip into the meat of its gut over and over again, spilling the almost translucent yellowed fluids across my face, chest, and onto the forest floor. My arm began to shake from the sheer physical exhaustion of my unrelenting attack, but I just kept piercing it into the oozing bark, allowing myself no opportunity to let up. Even when he swiped a jagged wooden hand across my face, tearing three deep gashes into the flesh of my cheek, I wouldn't let up. Over and over again, I pierced into the bark of his midsection, and not even the tendrils he jabbed into my side distracted me from my task. I would register the pain later, but not until the work was done and my wife was back in my arms. 
As the shrieking wails emitted from Leshy's mouth began to weaken, I gave his gut one final jab before yanking the buried screwdriver from side to side, spilling moistened and gore-lined vine-like entrails into the grass. I still kept my weapon held within the splayed open midsection as he dropped to the ground, heaving for breath with more gushing fluids leaking from his open mouth. Where is she? I screamed out, begging my victim to reveal where he had hidden her. A subtle fog caressed the forest floor as I gazed into the emerald eyes of that monster. It looked as though he was trying to form words, but the only whines and gargles were reaching his lips. As the mist thickened, allowing me to see little more than the glow of his eyes blinking from beneath, I feared I'd gone too far, inadvertently guaranteeing I would never see my wife again. Tell me. Please, where is she? Babe, whispered from just beneath where the glowing eyes flickered. The stabbing in my chest and arms became almost intolerable when the fog cleared to show Amy lying on the ground with her stomach torn wide open and the screwdriver still buried within. No. What? Why did you? She coughed and gagged as thick chunks of darkened blood spat up from her mouth. Jesus Christ, no. Why, babe? You said no more tricks! I screamed out at the top of my lungs as the throbbing in my chest and left arm escalated. Why? One last sputtering cough and her gargled breaths fell quiet. I stared on in absolute horror as the final sparks of life drifted from behind her eyes. Her vacant stare looked back in my direction, but it was no longer capable of making contact with anyone or anything. As such, a frenzied and frantic shriek escaped my lips. The stabbing in my chest caused me to collapse to the ground, right into the fresh crimson pool I'd spilled across the grass from my beloved wife's midsection. Each and every finger on my left hand twitched with agony, as did the arm they were attached to. It felt as though my heart was quite literally tearing itself in two, as though the sharpened tip of the flathead screwdriver pierced into it before yanking from one side to the other. This was it. I could feel the life leaving me as my body twitched and spasmed from the pain. If nothing else, I thought, at least I won't have to live with the burden of what I've done. While the stabbing in my chest amplified, I felt my consciousness slipping. I just stared upward, allowing the soft glow of the half-circle moon to be the final image I would see in this world, before my eyes fell shut and the darkness consumed me. He's coming too, a voice called out from somewhere in the distance. Oh my god, baby! I felt fingers weave themselves between my own as my eyelids once more drifted back open. It took a moment to focus, and I was quite distracted by the mask around my face as well as the tube running from my arm to where a woman I'd never seen before sat. I felt lost, confused, until the hand that clutched onto my own tightened and a familiar voice spoke again from my left. Are you okay? Is he going to be okay? 
Amy asked me and the woman to my right. The stranger did not reply, but I didn't care what she had to say one way or the other. Though my chest was still experiencing that stabbing pain, it almost ached with the joy of seeing my wife's teary eyes gazing back into mine. Even her tight grip around my now-bandaged hand didn't cause my smile to waver. My heart both ached and soared from seeing my beautiful wife alive and well, even if I was still bewildered by what left us speeding down the mountain in an ambulance. I was in the hospital for a few days after that near-life-ending heart attack, but Amy stayed by my side the whole time. Though I couldn't quite explain the gashes across my face nor the holes in my side, neither injury had been life-threatening, only the damage to my heart, which would likely require a few changes in my life. Fortunately, my wife called in help before I was too far gone. For a while, I was almost terrified to accept that any of what I was seeing was real, but when I was released back into the world, I allowed myself to believe that my nightmare had finally truly ended. We spent a couple of days in a hotel room close to the hospital, just to make sure all was well before attempting to head back home into the city, but we still had one final task we would have to complete before we leave. I was trembling from head to toe while I guided the rental car back up the road to the cabin in which we'd intended to spend the week, but we had to retrieve our car and our things. Amy still had no memory of any of the strange events over the few days we spent up there. Only the heart attack I'd experienced after getting myself lost in the woods while we... Amy still had no mystery of any strange events over those few days we spent up there. Only the heart attack I'd experienced after getting myself lost in the woods while we had been hiking alongside our friendly park ranger. I didn't have any memory of Amy's recollection of things. That I had apparently looked away for long enough to lose track of where she and Lesnick were walking, supposedly getting myself so turned around I could neither see nor hear them. I know what really happened out in those woods, and I'll have a reminder of that every time I look in the mirror, but... I'm glad she didn't have to endure any of that madness. I can't help but wonder if either of us would have survived had he not taken such a liking to my wife. We packed up our things in a hurry and we arrived back at the pleasant little house before Amy followed behind in our vehicle as I guided the rental back down the mountain. I couldn't shake the fear that some enlarged tree creature was going to leap out at me as we traversed the road in the direction of the highway below, but... It was as I reached the end of the road when my heart threatened to shut down on me again. Just off the side of that road sat the lifted beige and brown jeep with Ranger Lesnick leaned up against the driver's door, tipping the wide brim of his hat as I passed by. I could do a little more than just stare slack-jawed at the man while he gave me a friendly wink. I still watched him in the rearview mirror as he and Amy enthusiastically waved at one another before she honked her horn as she passed by him, to which he reached his hand into his jeep to do the same. It's been a few weeks since the most disturbing and bizarre trip of my life, but my dreams still revisit that place at least every second night. All things considered, a healthy amount of psychological scarring and something of an altered lifestyle due to my less-than-healthy ticker is a far better alternative than how those woods almost left my wife and I. At the end of the day, I think it's safe to say country living is not for me. Maybe by this time next year, after I've 
fully recovered from all this, got my ass back to work and saved up a little, we'll be ready for another attempt at a relaxing vacation. I'm thinking a nice, crowded hotel next to the beach will fit the bill quite nicely. I want to give a quick thank you to all of my $5 patrons and my $5 YouTube members. Absinthe Alice, Alice E, Amethyst, Amet, Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If and Down, Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justinia Zaromsky, Karen Parrott, Kat, Kathy Flanning, Lee Riggs, Laura, Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bannon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, The New On Gum 24, Tiger Princess, Tish Love, Triumph, and Victoria Step. Thank you all for the continued support. It's absolutely amazing. And thank you to everyone who stops by, leaves a like, watches the videos. I really, really appreciate you as well. I hope you all have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. And as always, take care out there.